Yes. Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagAndBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the life of an entrepreneur, the commonalities of successful people, and the ups and downs of risk-taking. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Sun Gray. My guest today and his family have been helping Arkansans connect with nature for years, Mr. Bill Barnes, owner-operator of Mountain Harbor Marina Resort and Spa. So where is Mountain Harbor? It's nestled in the Washita Mountains with a Mount Ida zip code. So where is Mount Ida? It's just down the road, about 13 miles from Hot Springs, Arkansas, on Highway 270. Mount Harbor, as the locals call it, was founded in 1955 by Bill's father, Mr. Hal Barnes. At the time, it was a small fishing post. But that all changed when in 1971, Bill became active in the business. As mentioned in the opening, business is creative. Bill is the epitome of a creative businessman, evident by the natural state empire he and his family have built. Though young Bill may have been born in Casper, Wyoming, he grew up in these hills. It is in his DNA. On top of being an excellent businessman and congenial boss, Bill is a community activist, apparent by his long list of appointments and special honors. Recently, Governor Sanders added him as a new member to the Office of Outdoor Advisory Committee. Today, we're going to talk about Bill's business acumen, his trident family corporate umbrella, and learn about fishing and outdoor activities on the lake tourism in Arkansas, and here's some history about the Corps of Engineers, lake formations, and dams in southern Arkansas. It is with great pleasure I welcome to the table the outdoorsman, businessman, and community activist, Mr. Bill Barnes. Well. All true, babe. I've been reading about you. It's all very true. Your dad, Hal, came to visit Arkansas, and he happened upon Lake Washita. I don't know how, because it was like miles down a dirt road in the middle of nowhere. So tell us how he ended up here and what he saw. That's got to be a good story. You just tickle me. <laughs> here, here's this wonderful entrepreneurial lady of many, many years, four decades, Yep. that is talking about me when I am the one that admires you. Oh, thanks, Bill. Really? I mean, I've been following your company since I was at Harvard to start with. Really? It's important that we fly American flags and demonstrate our patriotism. You've always been a great customer. Well, it's because we want to buy the best flags because they last a long time. They do. And they're made in America. You want to make sure you buy them made in America. I'll tell you something really interesting about American flags, U.S. flags. They are made in New Jersey by a company that is seven generations. So you're your second generation. My kids are working in mine. They're the second generation. This company is seven generations old of making American flags. Do you know how rare that is? Incredibly rare. In any country, in any world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because typically third generation is the beginning of the failure of the generations of that company. What do they say? First generation starts it, second generation builds it, third generation loses it. So, Or fourth. Or fourth. <laughs> well, don't don't think they don't get lots of offers from people to want to buy them. Big companies want to buy them, but they don't sell out. That's because they have a love and a passion and too much history. Yeah, I think it's so. just like talking to Megan and looking at Gray. And I mean, there's history here with yeah. you guys, and yeah. that's just thanks to you. 
you know, and, and your foresight. Well, both of you. Yeah. My kids coming to work for their mom. I mean, come on. That can't be easy. Is it easy, Gray? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I, how did- I can't tell you how many times I. I resigned from my job with my dad oh, or, yes. or he fired me. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we have jokes about how my, many times my sister has been fired. She's the oldest. Yeah. She came here first. <laughs> she came here too young. After she came here at so young age, we made a rule that nobody could come to work at Arkansas Flag and Banner until they were 30 years That's old. Right. Of course, we broke it, but but you <laughs> do need barely. to be a little bit more mature. But anyway, tell us about your dad. Okay. Well, the way I ended up in Arkansas I was born in Wyoming, as you mentioned, Casper. Dad was from Oklahoma. Mother was from Malvern, Arkansas. Oh. They married at the University of Arkansas in the 20s. Dad got out of college in 33 with a degree in law from Fayetteville. Now, wait. Your mother was from Malvern. Mm-hmm. Dad was from Miami, Oklahoma. But oh, he yeah, went okay. to Fayetteville. Went to Fayetteville. Met your mother. Oh, my dad. You know how dad got through college? He got a job as the houseboy in the Pi Fi house. Oh, oh he's boy. smart. He lived in the Pi Fi yeah. house as the houseboy and got paid to do it. Dad met mom, married her in the late 20s. Dad graduated in 33, degree in law. Mom graduated too. Couldn't get a job as a lawyer. Uh, Interesting. De- de- depression, oh. horrible times. Mm-hmm. Ended up selling shoes. Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. Dad enlisted. Dad's friend from Malvern that had married my mother's best friend, Dorothy, enlisted with him. They went to OCS together because they both had college degrees. So dad came out as a lieutenant, evolved into a captain, was the troop commander on a troop ship. So dad went four years during the war on a Liberty ship transporting 4,000 American soldiers to England or on to France after D-Day and bringing back the dead and the wounded. Oh, my gosh. For four years. Your dad is bringing back. That had to be. Oh, it was awful. I can't imagine. Well, he did the whole four years, got out. By then, he decided he didn't want to be a lawyer, period. So he got a job working for a fellow named Jeff Hawks, who became one of his best friends in Casper as the attorney for a mineral rights leasing company. So they contracted with the oil companies to go out to all these ranchers and get mineral rights leases because they were striking oil all over Wyoming and Montana and Colorado. So that's what dad did. Well, until we moved to Arkansas. And he was in Arkansas, probably looking for mineral rights? Nope. He worked out of Casper, working Montana, Wyoming, well, Montana, Wyoming, and Colorado. So we lived in Casper. But how did he end up coming to? I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Hang on, boss. (laughs) So because Caldwell, dad's best friend, also survived the war. And my mother had multiple sclerosis before I was born, so she was sick when I was born. So dad would drive her back to Malvern to see her folks. Caldwell lived in Malvern. So in 1954, Caldwell, while dad was in Malvern with mom, and I was, let's see, 54, I was six years old. Yes, I was six years old. Caldwell invited dad to go fishing on this new lake 
called Washita that was about a third to half full. So we went to Brady Mountain, went fishing. I still remember standing on the dock as a little boy looking out at the lake. I had never, ever, ever seen that much water in my life. Right. So we went fishing. Caldwell told Dad that the Corps was offering leases, and if he would apply for one, Caldwell would run it for him. It was never Dad's intent to come back. At that point, Dad was involved in oil in Wyoming and Colorado and was involved in the forming of the first company to build the first cable TV system. So, And he had, you know, those were his friends out there. So he, he wrote the lease application, was accepted, was assigned Joplin, and I really don't know whether Dad picked Joplin or the Corps said, you're going to get Joplin. I don't know, but it was a great choice. So Dad invested, and Harbor started as four boat stalls, a tackle shop about as big as the room we're sitting in, and one gas pump, and a 100 fishing boats. So, so anyway, we started renting boats. The way that we rented boats back then, now there were no bass boats. There was nothing even close to a bass boat. People owned motors. Yeah. They kept them in the trunk of their cars. No way. Oh. And if they were fairly well-to-do people, they had a trolling motor. The two major brands were Silver Troll and Minn Kota, and they would be in the trunk of the cars. We would open at four in the morning and there would be, but I still remember there would be cars lined up all the way out of sight. Next time you come to Harbor, I'll show you where we worked Mm -hmm. with people waiting to rig out their boats and go fishing. So they would be backed up to the gangplank and at 12, 13 years old, down there at 4 o'clock in the morning in a pair of cutoffs, no shirt, no shoes, we would start lifting. We would get a boat off the bank or out of the pond and put it into one of the stalls, wash it out, bring it up on what we call the wash rack, which was just a platform, kick it up on its side, take a bucket, throw some water in it to wash the minna dirt out from yeah. and the worm dirt out Yuck. from the day before. Yeah. Put it into a stall, tie it off, go up to the car, get the motor out, the gas tank out, the trolling motor, the battery, the tackle boxes, carry everything down, put it in the boat, fill out a boat card, put boat, put, uh, let's sleep paddles and boat cushions in, seat cushions in, and then rent it to you. And if it was a 14 foot low side, it was $2. A fourteen foot high side two fifty and a sixteen foot was three dollars. And we'd push them out. Well, by six or six thirty or seven, we had all one hundred boats out. Mm-hmm. Wow. How sure. many kids were? There were probably four of us working. Yeah. That's working fast. You can't teach that kind of work ethic to kids today because they don't have the same opportunities that you had. I mean, today there would be so OSHA, so many OSHA problems with what you said. You're barefoot in cutoffs with no shirt on, taking motors down to a boat, pushing these guys out. I mean, your insurance would go crazy, and you're underage. <laughs> There's, no, I don't know how you, you you starting that young is so good for teaching you a strong work ethic. Um, so now I know how you got 
your piece of land from the core. How big was the very first shoreline that you had? Okay, the the original lease that dad that dad had was about forty acres. Uh, what is it today? We have four hundred and fifty acres under lease, and another four hundred and fifty acres of residential areas around it. See, one of the really unique things, and I'll fast forward to that just very quickly, mm-hmm. is the land for Washita was purchased in the thirties. And the intent was hydroelectric and flood control, partially because Hamilton and Catherine were building as residential areas, big, big homes back then even. And they would flood because there was no control mechanism above. So Washita was a really big deal hydroelectric lake, but it was also a flood control lake to help stabilize Hamilton and Catherine down below. So they were already in existence. Mm-hmm. Catherine was 20s and Hamilton was 30s. Were they created by dams also? They created created by dams, both of them concrete dams. Both of those lakes were built by Arkansas Power and Light. I mean, Washita is such a benefit to our state now, mm-hmm. but the way it got there, the, the land was condemned. Uh, the people were paid fair market value for it, according to the government. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There was horrible ill will. I bet. Uh, when when dad moved, well, dad moved our family the day I got out of the second grade. The reason he moved was because, you know, you, you've got a picture. It was a dirt road to a dirt parking lot with 100 fishing boats and a gas pump. Mm-hmm. And then even after the lodge was built, it was still a dirt road to dirt parking lots. And it, it was just really hard to make a living. And water sports, water recreation, as we know it now, wasn't even a gleam in anybody's eye at that and, point. And seasonal. And very seasonal. How long was is that road? That Two was and a, a half miles. That's a long dirt road. Oh, yeah. And windy. And I walked that so many barefoot because the only kid around to play with was down at the highway. Sure. No, you so, did not. Oh, yes, I did. You are country through and through. Country. <laughs> Walking down a dirt road barefooted to go play with a buddy. I mean, yeah. You know, when dad wasn't working me for free, you know, like picking up rocks or cutting trees or whatever. But after about two years, the place got in trouble. Your your dad's place. Mm-hmm. Dad oh. got dad got in trouble. Now he was in Denver. He would spend some time in Arkansas, but most of the time back at his real job in Denver. So he worked out alone with the SBA to bail him out. But the SBA said, and my dad's first name was Hal. Said Hal, you have to move to Arkansas and take it over yourself, or we won't loan you the money. Oh, so dad had to come to Arkansas. And meet with Caldwell, his dear friend, and tell him that he had to take it over himself. And that was tough. My mom, I still remember, we lived in an 8 by 28 trailer at Mountain Harbor after we moved. And I still remember dad made me and my mother and my brother sit on a log about 100 feet from the trailer while he and Caldwell had multiple drinks and Dad told Caldwell that he was going to have to take it over. Oh, I, I remember that. I mean, we sat out there. It seemed like all night. Now it wasn't, but how Caldwell take kid, it? Not good. Dad couldn't help it. He had to have the financing. 
and only two and a half percent of the shoreline on Washita has ever been developed. It's all wilderness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two and a half percent. I've read that before. That's why it's so nice out there because you, it's not you're not just seeing a sea of row houses and stuff mm-hmm. as you as you ride and you along. never will. It was built over. It was built from an act. Of, as I understand it, every lake was built from a specific act of Congress. Now this doesn't count Hamilton or Catherine because those were built by the power company. But DeGray, Greeson, Grizz Ferry, Beaver, those are all acts of Congress. So Washita was built with the intent to control all the shoreline. They offered over 20 lease sites, but only, I want to say, 14 or 15 were accepted. The Corps also promised the investors that, and going back to to business, that once they closed the invitation to make offers for leases, they would never reopen it. Oh. Which, well, and the reason that they need to do that is it's kind of like you bought this building to make flags and then the city solicited for other flag manufacturers to come into Little Rock. Mm. The the core said, you know, you guys build this right. You you know, you meet the needs of the. Now there was a caveat in there. You need you meet the needs of the public, mm-hmm. and we will never offer additional leases. Mm-hmm. I spend my whole life building Mountain Harbor, and then they open up six more leases, and we have Hyatts and Sheridans, and you know, which was the right thing to do. You know, do. Bill, you make it look easy. Having all those cabins and condos and boat docks and restaurants, you're like, oh, he's just printing money over there. It's not easy. People are going belly up trying to do the same thing you're doing. He's got in his blood. It's okay. First and foremost, God wired me to do this. Mm -hmm. I mean, really and truly, I thank God every day that I can wake up at Mountain Harbor, that I get to serve people. I thank God every night that I can go to sleep at Mountain Harbor. I really do. I love serving people. I just love it. Now, that doesn't mean I love everybody every minute of every day, but I love serving people. So I'm where I need to be. And Harbor Start, you know, we're, we're 69 years old. And I've been there. This is my 56th year full time. You know, you're not ever going to catch me, girl. because I'm going to be there till I die. I worked all of my life as a kid at Harbor, Mm -hmm. went to Fayetteville two years, uh, took business because there were no hospitality schools in Arkansas at that point. Dad was getting in trouble. We, We had been in financial trouble three times. See, there you go. It's just not easy. No, it's not. And so I would go to school the fall semester. Then I would work spring semester and summer for dad the season go back to school the fall semester well the last semester i was at forest park college in st louis because it was a brand new hotel and restaurant school i had been to oklahoma state the year before learned that a fellow named jack miller was the director of the school at forest park so i called jack that summer and said i'm not looking for a degree i just need training. Mm-hmm. He waived all the prerequisites. I had taken hotel and restaurant at OSU, went to St. Louis, worked for him in the evenings. He had a catering company mm-hmm. and took hotel. He just took all the hotel and restaurant courses that I could take, came home for Christmas and found out that the IRS was filing foreclosure on my dad. This was winter of 70. Over back taxes? Mm-hmm. Three years. 
So I left school, called Jack, told him I wouldn't be back, left school and went to work full time January of 71. And my first meeting in January was with the IRS. I knew a couple of the men because they'd been out to talk to dad. You so know, how I was, old are I was about you? to say, what are you like, 23? Yeah, how 22. old are you? Oh, um, my gosh. Gray, this yeah, guy's yeah. got some big Since, hair, doesn't yeah, he? Right. Okay, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, when it's not that at all. When Necessity. You're back, when you're backed in Against a corner and right. you have nowhere to go and nowhere to live and it's your home. Sure. Gray, absolutely. You would take the same position if somebody tried to walk in this building and take it. Absolutely. You'd meet them at the front steps. That's right. Or farther down the road. Yeah. One of the other. <laughs> or in the alley. Yeah, probably not by the time they got to the front steps. <laughs> but I knew I knew two of the IRS agents. So I went in to see them in January at the federal building in Hot Springs, had no clue where it was, and just sat down and said, if you will give me a chance, you know, I am back here full time. I will be at work every day. I will answer every phone call every day. If you will give me a chance, I will pay you. And they said, what do you need? And I said, I need seven years. They waived all the interest, all the penalties, and gave me seven years. Wow. You know, the government's been good to you. So, yeah. I, I don't think that would happen now. I don't know. But those men, those men were, they were, they were so fair. Now, I also was at work every day, and I was also there every day when they came out to see me, and I paid them every dollar when i said i would when i couldn't pay other people so what's sometimes. the first thing you did when you went back what was the first thing you said dad i'm got i've got we got seven years what's the first thing you did the first thing i did honestly was look at dad's pricing structure raise the prices uh, yeah well that's and, and, always a small business well weakness. but here's here's why you know we one of the things that small business always needs to be is fair Business 101 then and today is a good product or a great product at a fair price with dedicated personal service. Now, that's what we stay in business with every day, in and out, whether it's yours or mine or anybody else here. Dad's price structure, we had like 60 boat stalls and about 40 trailers in the park. But his price structure, some of his prices, he hadn't gone up in 11 years. Mm. So I sat down and raised everything $50 a year. Mm -hmm. And big difference. Well, I survived. Now, the first thing I had was a total rebellion of dad's buddies. How how can you let your son raise prices like that? Well, I'm glad your dad let you. He might not have let you. Yeah. No, he knew he had to step back and he knew there was really no way to do it, but just to stay and work. Uh, there were there were two of us on duty in the winter, two employees. So we hauled rock, cleared land, did all that in the winter, because as you mentioned earlier, we had about a four month season. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a whole lot different now. But it was truly four months. And there were times, Gray, in the winter when we wouldn't see a car for a week. Sure. I mean, any car. Well, you had a dirt road going down there for two and a half miles with muddy. I wouldn't go down there either. <laughs> well, there you go. And that's exactly You know what right. I think is interesting is when you were talking about the levels of the lake levels or sea level at 578 is average and how much the shoreline fluctuates when it's at its average. There are 700 miles of shoreline on Lake Washita. 
Mm-hmm. Mainland shoreline. Yeah. 300 miles of island shoreline. There's oh, a I thousand, hadn't thought about that. There's a thousand miles of total shoreline. For anybody that hasn't been to Lake Washita, there are islands out in the center. So you put in, you get in your boat, even if it's a John boat. I've gone out there in John boats. And you go out there and you <clears throat> throw out your tent, throw out your sleeping bag, collect some firewood, get I'm you some out. whiskey, and yeah. sit by fire all night long with nobody around on your own little Gilligan's Island. It is fantastic. It is fantastic. You're, you're wonderful because one of the unique things about Washita is there is no island restriction or island camping restriction. Mm-hmm. You know, that's pretty unique. That's very unique. So folks can camp on any of the islands. Now, you know, we ask them, please, and 99% do, please, you know, Bring all your trash out. Bag oh, everything. Yeah. Bring yeah. it out. Oh, yeah. Occasionally, there's somebody that's absolutely thoughtless and ought to be put in jail that leaves their camp trashed. But it's, it's you know, spearfishing is legal on Washita. Oh, really? That's very, very rare in Arkansas. But through the summer season, spear fishermen, divers, can take half the angling limit. There's unrestricted camping on islands. It's just, and you can't. You can get out there, set up a tent, build a fire, bring a little rum. Oh, rum. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whiskey's sure. okay. Rum is better. <laughs> See, rum, rum goes with boats. That's well, that's say. true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, it's, uh, what is that, Bill, Jimmy Buffett, that likes rum, or does he like tequila? No, it's he's pretty much margaritas. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, margarita, Bill. Oh, yeah, you're right. So this, you'll think this is fun, Bill. But one year we could, I had a bunch of kids, four, and we couldn't afford to take a vacation. Oh, Ray, I know, are you about know, to remember this? I already this? know what you're talking about. So for my vacation after July 4th and the flag season was over, I had my husband take me out there and put me on an island with my children. And every day we sat out there. We camped out there for, I think, five days or maybe a week. And every day he would get up. And he would take the John boat and he would go back to shore and he would drive to work in Little Rock. And then at night he would sell come flags, home, sell get flags. back in the car, drive back out to the boat, get back in the boat, boat out to the island, have dinner, go to bed, wake up in the morning, put on a collared shirt, boat back to shore for like six days in a row. God love you. And then while we're all there out there abandoned on the island because there's no boat, we're there, are, you know, there's the daily thunderstorm coming through in the middle yeah. of July. And mom is just hollering at us as loud as she can. Hold down the tents. If anything blows away, I'll never forgive you. <laughs> I remember standing in the rain on an island in the middle of Lake Washtenaw going, if we survive this thunderstorm. <laughs> well, happy vacation. It Greg. was, it's the most, it's one of the most formative family vacations in my memory. It was Lake Washtenaw. Well, you definitely bonded. Oh, yes. No question <laughs> about it. Hanging on to a tent. Absolutely. <laughs> Trying not to fly off into a, the lake. Every, every day there's a thunderstorm on Lake Washtenaw. Just a little bit. It was then anyway. It was just cool things down yeah you know, that's yeah cool. absolutely yeah uh-huh. washita is a unique venue for people that want they're not as interested in a real high visibility urban environment yeah. you know they tr- now they probably have that in their cities or their towns or where they live but they come to the lake to get away from that to recharge and one of the things that means so much to me over and over over my life, and I can say I can tell these stories because I've been around so dead gum long. Washita and Harbor, because that's where I live, I think we've saved a lot of families. I think we've saved a lot of relationships. It's a little bigger version of when you guys were on the island by yourself. Right. When you're 
on Ouachita, and it's not necessarily at Mountain Harbor. It could be Shangri-La or Brady Mountain or Crystal Springs. When you're there, you're not enticed to go into town or to run down the lake to this bar or run down the lake to this restaurant. Families stay together closer. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't bring friends. Right. But it does mean that they do things together. And I have had so many times husbands and wives say to me, Barnes Harbor saved our family or saved our marriage or kept our kids from doing what we didn't want them to be doing. And that means a whole lot to me. And when when you begin to look at the generations, when I can walk in the dining room and see three generations sitting at a table, it's just like you serving the second and third generation of people that buy flags from you or watching your kids work with you here. I think this is interesting. And then we're going to go to a break. In 1958, when you founded the Lodge Restaurant or your dad did, you could bring in your catch because it was a fishing post mostly and y'all would cook it. Do y'all still cook the catch today? Oh, yes, ma'am. We, we have two great top guides, Chris Darby and Mike Worm, who are keys. And Chris is a chef in the restaurant. So he guides and he'll guide 250 days a year. He's been guiding for years. He's very, very good. And whether it's Chris or Mike or another guide, we are happy to prepare their catch either for lunch or dinner. So you just bring it in, in a nice bucket, I guess, nice chest. You clean them first. You clean them. And you bring the fillets in. So you got to clean them. Yep, got to clean them. We, we don't clean fish in the kitchen. Oh, that's probably a good but, idea. But, but you got to clean them and then bring them in, and we will be happy to fix them. Blacken them, fry them, anything you want to do. Absolutely. I love that. Cool. All right, this is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with entrepreneur Mr. Bill Barnes, owner-operator of Mountain Harbor, Marina, Resort, and Spa, located along the pristine shores of the Washita lake right in the center of the washita mountains of arkansas we'll be right back all uiyb past and present interviews are available at up in your business with carrie mccoy's youtube channel facebook page the arkansas democrat gazette's digital version flagandbanner.com's website or wherever you listen to podcasts just ask your smart speaker to play up in your business with carrie mccoy and by subscribing to our youtube channel or flagandbanner.com's email list you will receive prior notification of that day's guest back to you carrie You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with the man behind the 2001 Tourism Man of the Year, Mr. Bill Barnes, owner of Mountain Harbor Resort on Lake Washita. So you went away to college, you came back, you turned dad's boat dock into a marina, you solved his tax problems, you built cottages, you're frying up fish in the restaurant. All of a sudden, you decide you're going to open up a Joplin Volunteer Fire Department. Well, when you watch stuff burn down and you can't do anything about it, there's an incentive there to do that. Back in the day, mm-hmm. when this was about 76, 77, we had two cottages, C1 and C2. <laughs> and I still remember Sugar Woods from Shreveport running down the sidewalk in front of the guest rooms screaming, Bill, Bill, our cottage is on fire. The window air conditioner in the wall had set the wall on fire. I had a half-inch garden hose. There were two fire trucks in Montgomery County, one in Mount Ida, 
one in Norman. Neither one could leave the city limits because it would void all of the insurance in the city if the fire truck left, which makes sense. Sure. So I called my buddy, Scotty Brakefield in Mount Ida, who was the fire chief at the time. I said, Scotty, I've got a cottage on fire. Is there any way you can come help? I'll be right there. So he brought Mount Ida's fire truck. Scotty got there, put it, put up a water curtain between the two cottages and saved the cottage. So after that, I made myself a promise that we would have some semblance of a fire department. We started in 1979 with four volunteers, and uh, we now run, we've got about 18 active volunteers, 26 on the rolls. Uh, we run about 120 to 140 calls a year out of our fire station. I think I remember seeing a Coast Guard fire boat. Yes, ma'am. Because we're a fire department, we got called to go out and fight fires on the lake. Really? Uh Uh-huh. Then let me tell you how you do that if you don't have a fireboat with a pickle bucket. Mm. You know, five-gallon pickle buckets. Yeah. Well, remember the old bucket brigades that you see? Oh, my gosh. You know, when they were throwing buckets of water on stuff back Uh in the old days on the movies? Bucket brigade, yeah. Yeah. Well, if all you have is a bucket and water, you'd go to the shoreline. Gray's exactly right. You'd scoop up water. You'd walk up and throw it on the fire. Anyway, we... We put our first fireboat together over 20 years ago. You, somewhere along the line, decided that you were going to get into a uh, resort on DeGray, and you partnered with somebody. Why did you do that? You've got enough to do where you are. When I was being shown this wonderful building and the ballroom and all the stuff you've done here, Mm -hmm. one of the comments this young lady named Megan made (laughs) was, my mom has always been a risk taker. (laughs) And my comment back was, that's part of being an entrepreneur. Flav Carpenter, the director of the Arkadelphia Chamber of Commerce, was one of my customers at Harbor. The Corps had built DeGray Lake. The master plan for DeGray Lake called for two facilities. State Park got one of them. Clark County got the other. The county judge at the time told the showed the Corps this very impressive development plan he had for the Clark County leasehold. I watched DeGray being built. I watched it fill. I watched the lodge start for the, for the state park. Nothing ever happened at the other lease. Flave, my customer, would give me updates on the status of anything happening at the lease. The county judge that made the proposal to the Corps changed jobs. I learned that the Corps was about to take the lease away from the county. So I made an appointment with the county judge, and I said, I understand from friends of yours and mine that the Corps is getting ready to pull the lease. If you will sublease it to me, I will build a marina and I will build lodging We will employ Clark County people, and you won't lose face by losing a lease. And he said, you got a deal. You're done. Sure. (laughs) And the quorum court voted to approve it. And then he called me and said, there are other people in this county that were interested in that, but nobody had come to me. You need to hurry and get something done. Oh. So had lumber delivered. 
had no money, no idea how to do this because Harbor was in debt. I had no borrowing power, but I bought a bundle of lumber on credit and got it delivered to the site and had a fellow start cutting some things out. So we were performing. So that's how Iron Mountain started. Now, I had Harbor, which had debt. I did Iron Mountain because I just. You're an opportunist. I couldn't take it. You're right. I know. So what what's fun about Harbor now, when you go back and think about 100 boats, mm-hmm. one gas pump, mm-hmm. and get up at four in the morning. You still get up early? I still get up early. I don't open the marina and close the restaurant anymore. Thank goodness. Oh, I just, I work with the most wonderful people. You know, everything about that I've said about Harbor, about DeGray, about Greeson, none of that's about me, Gary. It's, it's any more than all of this is about just you. It isn't. It's the people. It's the family that supported us. It's all the wonderful people that make it happen. So you ended up calling this umbrella over all these properties you own on these three different lakes, the Tri Pennant Family. What does the name Tri Pennant Family and how did you come up with that? Three flags, three lakes. Tri Pennant. And the Eggleston family, Gray, have been at Iron Mountain and worked with me 42 years. That's the DeGray running, State Park. Running DeGray. Mm-hmm. And their son, Charles, now works with them. Jim Mishler, who started with me at Harbor as a general maintenance man 27 years ago, is general manager of Self Creek. And his family lives there. And we serve families. You know, the the business model is the same at all three. We're not ever going to be real super fancy. We are absolutely dedicated to 100% personal service. We will do anything we can for our customers. So you take the three flags that each one represents a resort and the fact that all of our resorts are run by families. Carl Kramer at Iron Mountain has been there, Carrie, longer than David and Vicky. He's been there 43 or 44 years, still there. Started with me in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, the managers at Harbor, the lady that runs our accounting department at Harbor, started as a waitress with me 48 years ago, Colleen. Yeah. So the management teams are families. They're my family. Mm-hmm. The staff are our families. So it's try, pennant. For flag, pennant or flag, and then family, because the you tri-pennant. are that is the core of your business model. Absolutely. Tri-pennant family of resorts are three resorts that are run by families to serve families. Excellent. This is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with entrepreneur Mr. Bill Barnes, owner-operator of Mountain Harbor Marina Resort Spa, located right in the center of the Washita Mountains in Arkansas. Part of Carrie McCoy Enterprises is OurCornerMarket.com, the perfect online shopping site for everything you need to strengthen your business's image or beautify your home and landscaping. You can browse through products like custom plaques in bronze or aluminum, business signage, address plaques to dress up your home or apartment complex, memorial stones and markers, even for your beloved pets, logo mats, and countless other items. Please visit OurCornerMarket.com today and start shopping. 
You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Mr. Bill Barnes, the newly appointed member of the Office of Outdoor Advisor Committee by Governor Sanders. So you've got a new title to go with all your <laughs> other millions of honors and titles. I mean, you've been the president of everything down there. But 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 let's go on and talk about some more stuff that you can do on Lake Washita. Fishing tournaments. I've been there before when you've had fishing tournaments. And I've, those boats fly out of there and fly back in. Is not that anymore. St- is that? Oh, really? Mm-mm. That's called a shotgun start. Okay. And they quit that. Okay. Because of safety reasons. So now it's called a staggered start. Uh, basically, boats one through 150, and they literally run about a 10-second delay between each boat taken off. And then those boats all had a return time that gave them credit for the time they lost in takeoff. Like you said, it used to be such, you just throw your fishing pole in and you pull out a fish. Is it still that way? Not exactly. Uh, Fishing is, when I was on the Parks and Tourism Commission, fishing was the fifth attractor for people to come to the state. Fishing is still extremely popular and extremely good. Washita is a great fishing lake, but it's matured. You know, it's 70 years old. So the cover's a little different. The structure's a little different. I learned all this stuff from Chris Darby. So, and, and so you, you, you have to work at it a little bit more. For folks that are listening to us, mm-hmm. if they want to go fishing on Washita, and I'm not selling guide services, but it's a great big lake. And if they want to go and they really want to learn how to fish on Washita, they need to hire a guide a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And summer fishing, although it's still good, it in actually actually summer fishing is now better than it used to be. I think probably more because the guides have adapted and they know how to do it better. But summer fishing is tough. Spring and fall fishing is really good. Crappie fishing in the spring. Oh, Carrie, it is, it is great. And crappie are so good to oh, eat. Oh, they are. What's your favorite thing to do on the lake? Take a party barge, go out to an island. Uh, I have two rescue dogs, Port and Starboard, and a wonderful partner named Merle. We will go out on the lake, pull up to a, an island. I'll get the lodge to fix a couple of cheeseburgers to go. And we let the boys out. One is an 11-year-old half Australian shepherd, half golden named Port. The other is an a, an eight-year-old golden named Starbird. And we let them out on the island. And then Merle and I will eat a cheeseburger, and they will run and sniff and play and swim. Oh, man, that's Late awesome. in the afternoon because the I sunset. work all day. Watch the sunset. Yep, that's part of the deal. You have a favorite island? No. Oh, you wouldn't tell me anyway because they're both go. I would. I would tell you. You would. Yes. Just maybe not on air. But I don't have a favorite. Now there there are two that I will tell you, and if you ever come out and you want me to show you, I'll take you out to both. One is called P and T Point, because and it's down part of the Island Twenty Six structure. Look, I'm writing it down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's it's named P and T Point because Parks and Tourism met there years and years ago. Oh. Bud Schamberger, Jim Gaston, all that group. Mm-hmm. And I watched Jim Gaston and Bud Schamberger back when jet skis were first coming out. Uh oh. Watch them get on a jet ski and take off out on the lake in their suit. Oh, I love that. In their, in their suit. Su- their business suit? Uh-huh. Well, now, now, Schamberger and Gaston always had this competition. You know, one was gonna outdo the other. And they're 
one of the, well, we brought in a couple of jet skis because they were new and unique for them to just look at. Next and thing you know, they're on their, oh gosh, I love that. That's that, like Washita for you right there. Oh yeah. Well, and Gaston had cowboy boots on, if you could imagine. <laughs> so that's P&T Point. Okay. And then on down one island chain east toward Brady, there's a beautiful little cove called Killer Brim Cove that was named by Paul and Barbara Harville. Uh, Paul used to be president of the chamber here in Little Rock. But they would swim out there, and you know how those little brim will come up and nibble on you? Mm -hmm. Well, that apparently was a place where they just could get no rest because the brim would just nibble at them all Mm -hmm. the time. So they named it Killer Brim Cove. And those are both beautiful places where you can see the sunset. So I want to list everything you can do. Fishing, sailing, boating, houseboats, skiing, day trips, hiking, 40 miles worth of hiking through the forest, uh, diving, uh, horseback riding still, I'm mm-hmm. assuming. Yes. Dining, camping, lodging, and there's property for sale. Did I miss anything? No. Uh, scuba diving's great. Spear fishing is still great. The, oh, yeah. Scu- spear fishing. Mm-hmm. Love it. The Love It Trail, which is the trail you mentioned, is actually almost 50 miles long. Mm. And it's beautiful, beautiful lake views. Uh, houseboating. Rental houseboats, yep. several operations yep. there. Mm-hmm. And you know, one one thing, Carrie, that, that you've kind of shown your age, dear. <laughs> I do that no, a lot. Nobody water skis anymore. Oh, what do they do? We do. What do they do? We did. Oh, kneeboard? They, they kneeboard and wakeboard and surfboard. Oh, wakeboarding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All these big boats that, that are out there that it's unbelievable what those boats will do. But they the don't kid, get up on skis anymore? Mm-mm. My husband was the king of slaloming. Mm-hmm. I love to slalom. No, I was standing down at the marina back a few years ago, and I was looking at these boats, and they were wakeboard and surf boats. You know, and I'm talking to the kids on the marina. I'm saying, because when I bought boats, they were that $8,995. Mm. Yeah. I said, so what do those boats run? Are they... Seventy, eighty thousand bucks, and the kids looked at me and said, "That one's about one hundred and fifty. Oh that one's gosh. about one hundred and sixty. That one's about one hundred and forty. Dang! And they, you know, they were circling, waiting sure, for fuel. Yeah. Uh-huh. Un, gorgeous, magnificent boats, but with computers where they have ballasts in them, oh, Carrie, uh-huh. where they shift water from one side to the other to create more weight to the right or to the left. And inner tubing wow. was the one all my kids always oh, yeah, liked. We always loved yeah, well, get on there and sling them around. Mm-hmm. So I know that the governor wants to bring in more tourism. And I know this is a selfish thing for me to say, and I know you're going to disagree with me, but I don't want more tourism. The lakes are full enough for me. I'm selfish. I like it just the way it is. I don't want everybody to know about how awesome Arkansas is, even though I'm making this podcast that you can listen to anywhere. But Arkansas is awesome. I have a business in Miami and I have to go to Miami every month. And it's, you know, tourism is its number one industry, probably. And Whenever I come home, I am just grateful that the people that live here live here because those people down there don't care about that city. They just come in, trash it, leave. And is Lake Washita full? Can it take more? Do we want people to come and experience it? I'm not going to tell you I disagree. Okay. I love the people we serve and I love having the opportunity to meet new people that share the same values and appreciation of the lake. Uh, 
those that don't, those that trash an island, or those that come in with the intent of just staying drunk for a weekend and right. being obnoxious, they're, I would rather they not come to Washita. The vast, vast majority of the people on any of our three lakes, the Tripennant family, those are good, wonderful, caring people that are doing the same thing that you did with your kids on that island. They're bonding with their families. They're welcome. Yes, we can take more people because really in the overall scheme of things, when you look at the density of tourist visitors to other lakes around us, other states around us, we are not that densely populated from a tourism perspective. We're really not. I want to see hospitality be the number one industry in our state. Well, and I think that that we self-define a little bit because we are a, a very, very rural wilderness state and lakes. People that want the MGM Grand, mm-hmm. they won't come here anyway because that's not the resource oh. we offer. Yeah, it really isn't. How was your How was your twenty twenty three season? Twenty and twenty one were unbelievable because of COVID. We broke every record we ever dreamed we would have mm-hmm. because people self, you know, they 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 distanced at the lake. Mm-hmm. Property went through the roof. 22 was was good. 20 well 22 was good in every area except lodging. We are seeing a decline in lodging for two reasons. A discretionary income is affected because everything is costing us more. Mm-hmm. And you know they're they're not going to come to the lake when they're looking hard at how much it's going to cost to buy school clothes this year. Mm-hmm. So, so that's one thing. The other thing is the VRBOs and the Airbnbs. Oh, yeah. And then COVID's over. So people are going back to cities. You know, it was interesting. I had a conversation the other day. You're right. You're exactly right. There, there is an element of our market that came to the resorts in Arkansas. Now, whether it's BOC with Mike Mills or Harbor or Greeson or whatever, they came to the lakes because all of the cruise lines and all of the international travel and all of the big amusement parks were closed. Oh, yeah. Now, they've gradually reopened, so everything's up to the same mm-hmm. pre-COVID, I guess, availability. Mm-hmm. So a whole there is an element of our market that has gone back to do those things. Yeah, that's right. And, and that affects us some. But we also had an opportunity during COVID to enter, we being all of the natural states facilities to introduce ourselves to people that otherwise wouldn't have come here to start with. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of a balance there. So to answer your question, 23, we are still seeing some challenges with lodging. Everything else is just great. And it's fine. Well, fall's my favorite time of year over there. I love Lake Washington in the fall. There's uh. nobody on the lake. You can like after the, Labor Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like over there. So I'm going to see you in the fall and I may hire a guide. I think that's a great idea because my husband likes to fish and that might be a great idea. I love talking to you, not only because I love your business as you love mine. Thank you very much. 
But the entrepreneurship, the risk-taking, the looking for opportunities, the listening to life, you have done every bit of everything that makes a great entrepreneur. We're kindred souls. I have a gift for you. It's a Wyoming flag, a desk set. It's a U.S. flag, an Arkansas flag, and that's Wyoming. It's got a buffalo on it. Oh, that is so wonderful. (laughs) I have a little military vehicle museum. I was going to ask you about that. You have Montgomery County Military Museum. I put the little museum together over 20 years ago with one little old Jeep that I didn't know what was. And as I drove it around, people would say, what is that? And a fellow would say, can I bring my dad to see that? Oh. So I decided if a World War II Jeep was good, then a Korean War and a Vietnam era would be better. So I got one of each. More people wanted to see them. It was never my intent to do a museum. But as you get into it, you listening build rela- to life again, you build with you build relationships. So the, the little museum started evolving. It will always be free. We now have about 45 vehicles, everything from World War II through current Humvees. But it's there for one reason. I cannot tell you what it means to me when people walk in there and their little kids can climb on the machines. They t- they bring their parents that were veterans, Mm -hmm. they are veterans, and the whole building is for one purpose, and that's to honor the armed forces of our country, to provide a venue where veterans can tell stories and where kids can touch and feel rather than seeing them on a computer screen. It's It means everything. Bill, I've enjoyed visiting with you so much. In closing, to our listeners, I want to thank you for spending time with us. We hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring and enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio, and choose today's guests. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Subscribe to podcasts wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream.